Hey everyone, welcome to the Starting the Conversation podcast. We hope to break down barriers by listening, questioning, and learning from each other through thoughtful conversation. I'm Brian Higgins, and I'm joined today by Paul Lawrence and Sam Matthews. In today's episode, we're talking about the practicalities of multi-ethnic churches. God's people are one beautiful, blended family from all nations, but that takes effort and understanding. Before you hear our thoughts, let's hear what King's Kaleidoscope has to say. going to be talking about uh, the dynamics of a multicultural church and some practicalities about um, living within a church that's multicultural and how you can really do your best to be a part of it in a way that's God-honoring and in a way that's welcoming and inclusive. So really massive topic to kind of talk through, a lot of different angles that you could look at it, maybe for some people multicultural is a word that they're using all the time and that really makes sense to them and maybe for some people multiculturalism is kind of like a dirty word you know it's one of those things that people say um, that kind of gets in the way of what they were thinking or gets used to kind of stifle things they may feel Um, so just because it's been used by so many people and in so many different places we want to kind of start with defining what we're using multicultural as and then kind of sharing some different experiences and observations that the three of us have had of being within churches that are multicultural or at least claim multiculturalism and kind of begin moving from there. So starting with uh, just very simply, what is it that we mean when the three of us say multicultural? Um, I think for like the, for the most part from things that I've read and uh, like most research, it's usually like an 80-20 rule. So 80% is like majority um, and uh, majority population and then 20% or more is a, is another thing. So it could be either you know, predominantly white or it could be predominantly Indian or predominantly Korean and then the other 20 or 30% is a mix of a uh, slew of things. And so there's either that or it could be a predominant, predominantly white church or Indian church but led by a pastor who's of a different race or different ethnicity. Hmm. Um, and so they both kind of like technically fall into that. So in my mind though, like what I see from scriptures and what I think, when I think multicultural, um, like a multicultural community or a church is a church that is, it represents different ethnicities, but it doesn't try to make it one homogenous idea or culture. Right. So like you enjoy and you represent and you fully realize Indian culture and black culture and white culture and Korean culture at the same time, and everyone is sharing power, and there's not, it's not a predominantly one culture um, in the in the leadership or on the worship band. Uh, the influence is shared. So you're not just singing all predominantly a white centric um, contemporary music. You're not only se- uh, singing all gospel music. It's a mix of the re- representation of that community, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Well, I think I think it's helpful too to sort of realize what it's not. So I've I've grown up in churches where I would I would have thought in the past like yeah we're multicultural we're not just white people here we have folks from all different races different you know backgrounds but it doesn't necessarily mean we're actually multicultural we just have a lot of people who are attending so I think it goes beyond even just the um, 
demographics of who's actually attending the church too. To your point, Sam, um, it goes uh, into what does the church leadership look like? Mm-hmm. Um, is it, um, yeah, we ha- we're, we're split 80-20 majority, but if everything we do is pretty much defined by that 80%, we're not, we're not really a multicultural mm-hmm. church at that point. And I think I've been guilty of that in the past, just thinking, oh, this is just how we do church, without realizing or even ask, knowing to ask myself the question, well, but what does even just what is even majority culture? What does that look like? What are the signs I should be looking to address that, um, to honor, to uh, acknowledge, to empower those who are different from me, uh, to a large extent? So I think that's kind of an interesting point because. For me, I've always thought, and maybe this is because I've always been the majority population mm-hmm. within any church I've been a part of, um, I feel like I have a tendency to see whatever's going on as my church as church culture. Sure. And I never yep. have really seen it as my experience, exactly. coming out of, and maybe this is just a blindness that I have, I've never seen it as coming out of the whiteness of me and <laughs> yeah. those kind of around me. Um and maybe that's just something that, like I said, I haven't seen or haven't been looking for. Um, but I, I think it, like, to kind of really just be clear on what a multicultural church is, I think it is easy to look at it as, you know, we we look out into the crowd and we see all different races, all different populations represented. Um, but that doesn't sound like that's what we're limiting this definition to, that it is stepping right. beyond that and asking within the culture of the church is this something that every different people group in this building or in this community can really feel represented and heard by? Yeah, absolutely. And so there's two things there, though. So the first thing to, uh, Paul, what you said about <clears throat> you could have an 80-20 or even more and still not have representation yep. or still have, like, inclusive, you know, you're celebrating differences um there's like a, it's kind of like um it's it sounds bad but a plantation so it's like you have a whole ton of black people and you have a whole ton of white people but it's very obvious who's in control who has the most influence over decisions and um and well, let me like stop you right that. there it might be obvious to the minority yeah who is mm-hmm. in control who's quote unquote making the decisions, who's deciding what kind of music is played, yeah. style of worship, the music that's being played on a Sunday. I think from Ring Brian, you and I can probably attest to that's been a blind spot for us. We just haven't realized yeah. that's just yeah. always so, been church culture. It's, yeah, it's exactly. just I've grown up so, in the church. And, and, this is this is this is this how is we do what church. Is. This is the, and that's know, and so that's what leads to the second part of it is that Christianity in general has been colonized for a very long time. So, you know, we know we both know that it started you know, in the Middle East and spread into Asia and spread into Africa. And those are the first places it started. And there's tons of African roots in the Bible. Absolutely. Between apostles and early church members and all this. Um, but then, you know, it got taken over Europeans and then colonization of all the different countries. And so when, if you go anywhere, if you go to China, if you go to China, if you go to Africa, you go to India, I've seen this myself. If you go to like Barbados, you go to the islands, and wherever it's been colonized to a certain extent, you'll see people going to church on Sunday with a white, like a tie, a white shirt tucked in, <laughs> and they're singing contemporary songs. And, you know, it'll embrace that part of it. Um, and so 
to us in America, it's obviously like people come to Christianity as a as like a person of color. You automatically have to start listening. You start listening to Hillsong. You start right, listening yeah. <laughs> to John Piper and a whole bunch of white mm -hmm. theologians. You know, in our back of our mind, we're not like, oh, you know, what's the latest Indian theologian saying about Christ? Like, no, yeah. we automatically just were assimilated into the majority culture. And so it's easy, you know, if you are white or if you're just a part of American culture that you automatically assume and you think Hillsong, you think John Piper, you think you think white theologians, you think white contemporary music and people have assimilated to that. But we that's like the the, the disadvantage that we come at to, because if you see in the Bible and the early church in Acts and we learned about this at, at church is like it, God made a point to state, you know, different races coming to the Lord and he made a point to go to different places and to show that you know now the faith is for everyone and God is saving everyone and it's opening up and so that's going to be a representation of the, the church and the kingdom that God is going to be bringing down at the end of the days and so if we don't if we if we look at you know one culture as Christianity then we do this uh, we, we do a disadvantage and and we hurt that that gospel message it should be different nations and tribes and tongues. Absolutely. All celebrating the gospel mm -hmm. in their culture, but pointing to Christ. Now, that's a point I really love. Ultimately, the fact is the church is multicultural. Mm -hmm. That when we think about the big C church, the corporate body of believers around the world, the Lord is working in every nation and tongue and every people group, and heaven will be populated with an extremely diverse community, Absolutely. which is really, really interesting to think about. Now, except for the lamb, it's all, it's from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Absolutely. Not the Irish. Mm -hmm. Not the white, white, Western Not from European. the people that yeah. I just happened to be around. <laughs> yeah. And I almost wonder if that's going to be one of the cool things that we'll, I mean, obviously, like, saying what's going to be the cool thing about heaven is, like, one of the silliest things you could say, like, as if you can identify the one. But I, I think that it's interesting for me to think about, like, what will I I'll, – I'll talk to people and ask, where were you from? And I'll ask, when were you from? And I'll be able to get all sorts of very interesting thought patterns that just were never mine, but in their fully redeemed state. And just thinking about things like that, of, like, how diverse – like, I just enjoy being around people that have different opinions from me now. Sure. But they're still having that opinion in – a relatively similar cultural experience and in a relatively similar location and all sorts of different similarities are are had and shared. Mm -hmm. Whereas at that point, we'll see how the body of Christ had throughout history all these different uh, points of dissimilarity. Yep. And yet we're still united by this one meaningful, powerful common denominator, the blood of Jesus. Yeah, and that's the that's the beauty of it. Every religion, if you look at it, the where it started, it dictates the culture of that religion. So you look at Islam, you look at Hinduism, you look at Buddhism, all these cultures. If you if you join those religions, no matter where you are in the world, you dress the same way, you speak the language because that's the only language that your God listens to, or mm -hmm. that's the only language you can read the the true Bible, like your true, the true text holy in. text. In. Yeah, you know, you start dressing like them. You eat the you eat the food. But if you look at Christianity, it's different if you go to Jamaica. It's, it embodies Jamaican culture. If you mm -hmm. go to India, it's different. If you go to Australia, it's different. But at the same time, it's the same gospel, the same God, and he dwells within those cultures, and those cultures are what gives glory to him. 
and to his true nature of like the triune community that's going on. But, yeah, it's interesting. You say it embodies all of those cultures, and it does. It does. It does two kind of things at the same time. It embodies and speaks back to. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. It, like it, it takes like it, it, it welcomes in <laughs> and and brings in certain traditions and yep. rituals and and customs and ways of thinking about things. And then also speaks back against mm-hmm. so should, many other yeah. parts. It should be of informing any us of where, where yeah. we are wrong in culture mm-hmm. too, and say no, that's not the gospel. Mm-hmm. You're not living that out. You're yep. just doing something because that's just what culture is telling you. Mm-hmm. Not, it's, it's against not, the against the Christian faith. Yeah, it's it's not actually being informed from anything the Bible's telling telling us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then I think if if we're talking through multiculturalism within the church there's an element of i can only be as multicultural as the area i live in i I can't go necessarily beyond the cultural breakdown in many ways within or demographic breakdown i guess I, i should say within the area that i live in if i find myself you know maybe there's a listener who finds themselves in a spot where the concept of a group of Christians that's very multicultural just doesn't make sense with the town that they're in. Are town, we, are town we, community. Yeah, whatever, whatever area they, yeah. they happen to be in. Are we calling their church wrong? So, no. So I, I think there's two things to it is like, I think there is a space and a reality of why we have the black church, why we have cultural churches um you know like immigrant churches Absolutely. from india from korea all these things and why we are aiming for a multicultural church right um now you know the black church was created because they were kicked out of the white church and they couldn't <laughs> they couldn't pray together <laughs> so you know we can't be mad about yeah. that like we we forced that so yeah um and it's a refuge and a safety um it's a place for safety for black americans mm-hmm. you know but I'm going through well, any, like, any minority church, yeah. that, you know, if it's Korean, you know, mm-hmm. Indian, Chinese, yeah. what have you. And like, if you, you can't know, speak it, the language, why yeah. would you, you know, so it, it makes sense. But I would push back into this extent for any church. So whether you're living in the Midwest, in the middle of nowhere, where it's just 20 white people in one town, <laughs> or you're living in this inner city, right? Your church in general should be representing the community, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, race, whether it's different lines of income. Whatever Absolutely. it may be, it should be representing that and making mm-hmm. those people feel comfortable. So if you're in a predominantly white church, a predominantly Indian church, and someone comes from the outside, say like, okay, you're in an Indian church. and th- Okay, so this is an example. There is an Indian church that I'm aware of, right? And I have people that go to it. And it's in a city where, you know, a lot of Indians live, but there's also other groups of people. And other groups of people go to the church and they are allowed to attend the church. But when it comes to membership, they're not allowed. Yeah, see, that's that's so it's hmm. like so that's where you got to draw the line it's like yeah. okay we understand why you're here there's a lot of immigrants it makes sense you're celebrating your culture this is what everyone can speak the language oh that's awesome but you know when it comes to that extent of like are you really including other people is hmm. your gospel message true and pure that an outsider can come in and feel welcome and feel like and feel grace and can feel mercy and compassion and still feel the family of god or are they coming in and they're and they're left as outsiders? And if that outsider aspect is there, no matter what the demographic is, then we need to push on that. Yeah, if, if you if if a, if if you can't be a member of the, at a church because of the color of your skin or your level of income, mm-hmm. because the church that church has decided well these are the parameters which we will accept, 
that's a problem. Yeah. Whether mm-hmm. it's that's majority culture doing it, whether it's a minority church doing that, you know, <laughs> you're denying your brother and sister in Christ mm-hmm. in- inclusion and and membership to your church purely on their physical, mm-hmm. phys- you know, physicality. That just is, you know. Yeah, and one of the beauties of the church throughout history has been how the factors we use to draw dividing lines don't matter once you or shouldn't matter once you walk into the church that the the sizing people up and like one of the exercises i've always loved doing in in different uh small groups that i've done within the church or home groups or you know just talking with people after a service or something like that is i love looking around the circle and asking would we be doing this if there if church didn't exist if like let's just say the world was random chance Christianity isn't a thing in the world. Is there ever a moment where I would sit down with that guy? And one of the things I love about the church is there's so many instances where the answer to that is no. Sure. And it is the church and Jesus in particular that brings those groups of people together. And so if, if you know, I, I love the, the phrase that Paul uses, he calls it the gospel of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And if that's what he terms as the gospel message of being reconciled not just to God, but being reconciled to believers, the body of to Christ, each other. to yeah. each other. If that's the case, then that needs to be present in every church. Yeah, and it needs to be it needs to be prevalent in how we're going about doing church. Mm-hmm. If our gospel message is you're a sinner, you need to get saved, and once you're saved, well, that's as far as it, we don't actually then try to learn from each other. Get you know. Be you know uh, befriend those who are not like us in mm-hmm. skin tone or you know financial situation. Then our gospel met, we we're not really understanding what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. And if you go to a predominantly, we'll focus on predominantly white because we're in America, right? So if you yep. go to a predominantly white church, and say there's no black guy, say there's no Indian guy in the crowd, whatever, right? But it's just predominantly white or all white, and you have. A white Jesus picture on the wall. <laughs> You're only <laughs> quoting white theologians. You're only talking about white Christians. You're only having a context and idea of the church of um, like the history of the church in a white context. Then I think you're you're doing a disservice to your people, and you're Absolutely. painting a. If I'd be frank, you're painting a different Christ. Like you're not painting the full picture of Jesus, where he was born, his his skin color his poverty level like you're not mm-hmm. you're not doing all that. you're not giving the context to who christ is and so when you go outside and your regular thought process you see jesus as white like you see christians as white mm-hmm. and you're not going to see you know everyone made in the image of god you're not going to be able to appreciate that yeah so it, i question people who are only listening to you know white pastors only listening to white music it's like i understand you have preferences but you have to have the full body of work when it comes to church well even just just to jump on one of the keywords you use there is just theology you know how often brian have you and i heard theology mean white guys and then there's black theology there's latin theology there's korean Hmm. as if that's a sub or not quite up to and equal to theology proper Mm -hmm. yeah i even thought that and i'm indian (laughs) oh yeah yeah. so it was taught like yeah you don't you don't appreciate you know black theology because oh they're just they're just hooping and they're just you know like there's a lot more emotion in it we want to think like we want to just think you know reform theology we want to think like structure and you know order Mm -hmm. and there's no room for everything else 
everything else is like a second tier to it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and it goes even further. I mean, just, you know, an example I w- I've been reminded of lately is just one of the early saints, Athanasius. How many, if you Google, go to Amazon right now, look up a book by Athanasius, chances are the picture of the dude on the front cover is a white guy. Athanasius was not white. He was African. Mm. But we've just we we've we've uh, um, taken that we we you know wherever it started we tend to take these people who these early church fathers or other people yeah. and we just uh, oh this is theology proper it's Western European white you know mm-hmm. uh, we're doing a, a disservice to them um, and to your point too Sam the you know for our minority brothers and sisters we're we're if if all we're reading all we're quoting all we're highlighting is folks who are white we we are um we are oppressing them because we're telling them effectively the only people who are worth listening to mm-hmm. are white people yeah. and that's just should not must not happen and people will not come to the church like yeah if you go to inner cities it's easy you walk up and down the street in philadelphia in newark what do you always hear you always hear um like very black militant religious groups you know mm-hmm. you have you have all these groups like black Israelites and all these guys and their main thing is oh Jesus was white why should you as a minority in this country listen to white theology a church yeah. that was is majority white a, a religion that is white but it is false like yeah. you know like the, the first Christian nation was in Africa so yeah. so we're so now you've turned away like groups of people to God and who some of it could change their lives but you know, we as a church, like a big church, have accepted that. We say it's okay. We don't care what color Jesus is because it shouldn't care. Like, you know, even Donnie McClurkin said that it doesn't matter what color, you know, yeah. <laughs> as long as your blood was red. Like, so we've bought into those, some of those lies, you know. And I think that's a really good point of it's not about necessarily changing what population is the majority in your church as much as recognizing is this a place where anyone is welcome Mm -hmm. you know like to not that not that i want to bring up another controversial subject and not that i want to make a clean comparison between race and sexual orientation Mm -hmm. but i don't think anyone would advocate predominantly homosexual churches Mm -hmm. but everyone should be thinking should someone with same-sex attraction come into my church, would they feel welcome and would they feel loved and would this be a place they can see Jesus clearly? Right. So in in a similar way, you can be in a church that's predominantly white, but you do need to be asking the questions, is this a place that the, the Caribbean Islander or the African or the Asian person who comes in, would they feel welcome or would they feel pushed out just by the culture of the church if they walk into a room and they just feel just cold stares that's a bad thing Mm -hmm. right or just no one comes up and says hello to them welcoming they're just sort of they sit in the back they slink out the end and no one's actually wanting to invest in their lives wanting to know just to even acknowledge them whether you know they are minority culture, whether they have different sexual attractions, whatever, you know, if, <laughs> if, if the gospel is true and it truly is the message that is a gospel of reconciliation, 
but we we're not living our lives where people are feeling reconciled to us and just our just our general treatment of other human beings we're missing the point it's got it's got to be welcoming mm-hmm. you don't have to be clean before you come in here absolutely you don't have to be a certain income level to come in here you don't have to be a certain skin color to come in here it's just come you're welcome mm-hmm. be yeah. be with us well then we have to view everyone made in the image of god yes bearing the image of god and treat them and ex- and expect that they should have the dignity and respect that everyone else deserves Mm-hmm. Well, that's hard though if you have racial preferences, if you have biases and bigotry inside of you, and it's like it's easy, you know, we, where mm-hmm. we grow up and a lot of these things dictate those stuff. Um, and I and I'll say this uh, to the point of earlier, of, uh, you know, if you, the people always get mad like why white Jesus, why brown Jesus, who cares what his color was, but in this time period in America right now, you picture brown Jesus on a cross, hanging for your sins, that is a powerful image when you see brown and black bodies dying in the streets sure. when you see mm-hmm. brown and black bodies not being respected by authority as a minority that's powerful for me to see my color on a cross and to like to know the context of that and it's also powerful if you're a white person oh yeah no it's powerful <laughs> looking for at me the savior coming in in that skin you know Absolutely. so it's so it, it, there's reasons for why you know christ did all these things but in general, I think that we lose so much when we take the context of the scriptures, when we take the history away from the church, mm-hmm. and we just focus on predominant culture, wherever you may be, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. wherever you may be. So, um, yeah, do you want to... Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask, yeah. Sam, I know you in particular have some experiences of mm-hmm. being within um, multiple, I believe, multicultural yeah. churches, and I was, I was just hopeful that you'd be able to, to share some of that. Yeah, so I'll be... F- I grew up in a predominantly Indian church. It started back in India, but it's a it's like a worldwide church. Um, so it looks differently de- depending on where you go. But for the most part, it's majority is Indian. The leadership is Indian. We got like two white pastors and a black guy. Like it's very very Indian. Right? A black pastor or just one black guy? A black pastor and a black guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. I didn't know if it was yeah. like you're describing the whole church, and I was like, yeah. and we had one black guy. Yeah, so it's like I don't think the eighty twenty rule does not apply to every congregation that you go to, Absolutely. depending on what state it is. Yeah. And then for the overall, I'm not really sure, obviously, but um, I know it's represented in the in the leadership. And you know, it's funny. Like I was literally, uh, I was in this church on uh, the day before MLK Day, and um, the pastor, like, so one of the ministers is is a black female you know and we had one black guy in the church in the front row and everyone else 99 percent of the church was indian and the pastor was indian and he didn't for one second mention mlk mm. that he's a pastor anything that you know we're in texas this is such an obvious thing to talk about in like below the southern belt you know like mm. below the bible belt but didn't talk about it and it's like you're missing, uh, you know, civil rights movement paved a way for my for Indians that come to this country for us to have the rights and to be able to vote and to be treated equally and all, and all this stuff. And so, you know, I asked him afterwards, I'm like, you know, why didn't you mention anything? And he's like, we don't want to be political. We want to just focus on spiritual things. Mm-hmm. And we don't think it has a place in the church. And I was like, you don't think the black sister <laughs> in the front or the black guy would have appreciated, you know, at least saying, you know, reminiscing on his life on okay's life and talking about the benefits and thanking god for his ministry especially and, with the spiritual component that we know yeah of 
of Martin Luther King in particular. Absolutely. Yeah. And then he wanted. It's not like he yeah. was just a good guy. Like he was a firm believer in Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he messed up, but like he, he's a sinner just like everyone else. Like, Absolutely. He was caught cheating. Like you know, there's there's yeah. problems, but I was just so blown away. And, he, and the the statement he made was weird. Don't want to be political. And um and New Year's Day, I was having lunch with uh, friends. It was a white guy, a Spanish guy, a black guy, and myself. And naturally, we're just talking about race because that's just, you know, our life. And the white guy was like, do you guys ever not talk about race? And we stopped. We got mad. And then we all thought about it. We're like, uh, we don't even think about it. Like, I got pulled over earlier today because of my race. I'm sitting here talking about things because of my race. Like, it's just infused into it. So we, mm. And what, the, what my friend said was, he was like, we don't have an opportunity to not be political. Our skin color forces us to be politics. Right. Mm. And... And so when people say those things, like, you know, we don't want to be political, we just want to be Christian, we just want to talk about Christ, we talk about heaven and the good things about the world uh, and about heaven, and you miss that whole aspect of it. And then I've also went to a predominantly uh, white church, and that was pushing to be multicultural, and it's still pushing to be multicultural. And um, and that's where you attend now? Yeah. Okay. And, um, and uh, it was interesting because, you know, at first I didn't feel, and I mentioned that in the last episode, like, I didn't feel... I didn't feel, you know, the welcome, and, you know, and, and to be honest, I still didn't feel for a very long time, and something, uh, one person put it really well is, white people can be very polite, but not hospitable, Sure. and it, especially because, you know, you're, you're close with you, who you're close with, right, and they think that, you know, it's okay just to say hi, you know, how are you doing, how's your job going, but then there's never an invite to the house, like, I think I've been to, like, one or two white people's houses, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean, mm-hmm. out of, like, the big church, predominantly being white, and, um, and that's a big thing, though, for mm-hmm. Indians, for Africans, for people sure. of color. Like, for us, it's the community, the town raises you. You're always over people's houses. Yeah. Like, if you don't have food, someone brings food for you. Like, if you don't have money for bills, someone brings money. Like, it's it's a close, like, everyone's raised together kind of thing. There's not, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to solve my problems by myself. I'm going to be on my own corner. And if I want to see you, I'll text you. Like, we'll meet up on Tuesday or something. Yeah. Everyone yeah. just always in your life. And so when you come to predominantly white church, that doesn't happen, especially if you're not white. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> like if you're not in that clique, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. So even to view that a little bit from the other side, I've recently had the opportunity to teach semi-regularly at a predominantly Chinese church. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of English being the only language I speak, I speak at their English service. But even that is still only maybe 20% white people, something mm-hmm. like that. It's still very much... It, it Mostly I'm teaching to the second generation within that church, the the kids of those who are attending the Mandarin and the Cantonese service, uh, those two separate services. And one of the things that blew me away about that church the first time that I went there was they run it where there's three separate services. There's a Mandarin, there's a Cantonese, and then there's an English service. And two of them run at the same time. One of them runs beforehand and by the time all three of those services wrap up, it gets to be 1230, something like that. And the church provides lunch mm-hmm. for everyone. Yeah, wow. you guys eat as like one big family. As one big family. And Every so Saturday. you're there. And, and that's, that's I mean, that's the only way I would ever get to meet mm-hmm. some of the Cantonese speakers or some of the Mandarin speakers. And mm-hmm. I mean, obviously our communication isn't very good, but I at least get to say hi to them and, and mm-hmm. they are told by someone, oh, this was the pastor that came and spoke at the English service. And even though I didn't say a word to them, I just stood in front of them and smiled because I can't say, like, I don't even know, like, hello or anything. And and even, like, just by meeting them, I'm not even sure which of those two languages they speak. Like, 
I'm yeah. just totally clueless when I go in. They just hear, oh, he taught our English service, and, and they're <laughs> thanking me. Yeah. And they'll hear that, and then they'll run over to where the food is and try and get my food for me. Yeah. Mm. And it's been such a mind-blowing <laughs> thing for me about yeah. hospitality yeah. and it's... and learning that lesson. And, and I asked the pastor's wife about that in particular. I said, this is such a cool thing you guys are doing. Because, yeah. like, I mean, I'm... I'm white, and I still feel that in white churches, <laughs> yeah. where I I look at different people and say, I don't know what their house looks like. Right. Yeah. I've known you for 15 years. <laughs> you call me a friend, and I don't know what your yeah. house looks like. Yeah. Or and, and just thinking about all that, so I asked the pastor's wife. I said, this is really great. Like, How long have you guys been doing this? And she was, we were talking about it, and I was like, is it ever a, like a burden to do something like this? And she was like, and just looked at me so matter-of-factly, and I was like, well, we need fellowship. <laughs> Like we, like we need to be together, and, and like it's the and we're hungry. It's lunchtime. Yeah, it's, you know? it's, it's the, the double. So like it was such a simple, obvious answer, and yet it was mind blowing to me. Yeah, and it was, and a lot of it comes from the fact that I've only been in churches where I have been the predominant majority group within the church, and that's just a blind spot of yeah. my majority group. So even just thinking about, not just from the standpoint of as the minority, how do you fit in in a majority church? As the majority, what are the lessons you're missing out on by not engaging the minority? Yeah. Because they will see things differently, and they will be able to teach and instruct. And it was a very humbling experience for me to kind of remember, like, I don't do church right. I do it the way I've done it. Mm-hmm. I don't right. necessarily have the formula for how church should be. And, and by pulling in various people... I can learn a lot of different things about how church can and should run. Yeah. yeah. I think for especially, you know, our our context is the American church. Um, it is well past time that we take a hard look for those of us in majority culture to ask the question, well, why are we doing these things that we do in, in church? Is it actually coming from a gospel-centered, we're doing this to reach, to include, um, uh, to minister to others, or we're just doing it because this is just how we've always been taught the mm-hmm. church is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I just in trying to think now, just maybe a little bit, just practically, what what can we looking at you, Brian, you and I do differently as two white guys as we come to our church services? Mm-hmm. Um, and for those who are listening, what are the questions that we need to be thinking about um, when we're coming to church? You know, it's very, you know, for me, it's, it's very easy. I'm more of an introvert to just sit behind the soundboard, serve, do my thing. And then, you know, I got to get my daughter home for nap, you know, mm-hmm. after church. Um, but to step outside of that and to say, hey, you know, I don't know that name of that person. And I actually, mm-hmm. it's, that's a bad thing because I've actually seen them here. I actually think they're, they attend this church <laughs> or they're members of, and I don't even know their name. Mm-hmm. Let me go over and introduce myself. Mm-hmm. You know, haven't I haven't had the opportunity to get to know you or purposely set up times, you know, let's go grab lunch together. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things our church has done a, a couple of times a year, we do what they call international lunch, where everybody just brings meals from their their mm-hmm. culture. We all then mm-hmm. have lunch then after a Sunday service where we all then get, you know, we, we share and partake in the different, you know, types of food or preparations of, of, of food, which is, and it's just then everyone together, which is just it's a lot of fun and just getting to know people that way too. Yeah. I, I think from the, <coughs> from the majority position that I sit in, I think 
one of the things for me to remember is if if I were at this kind of international lunch, I would first need to remember that their cultures matter to them way more than mine does to me. Sure. Like I would, if I were attending one of those lunches, I would either go like the chicken parm is easy to make and I'm a quarter Italian, <laughs> so I'm going to bring that. Or if I were really feeling ambitious, it would be, all right, I'm Irish, corned beef and cabbage, here we go. And like yeah. I, I would do one of those two things. But being Italian means nothing in my life. Oh, and being Irish means I'm nothing. I'm mostly in my Irish. Life. You know, I have no idea what that means. Me neither. It means nothing to me. I don't know if they're good people, but I'm one of them. <laughs> yes. I'm not really. Because if I found out that, like, if I started diving into history and found out, like, the Irish and the Italians are terrible, I'd be like, glad I'm American. Like, <laughs> I would just distance myself so quickly. Whereas when I start meeting minority people within my own church, uh, our church has a really big Filipino fellowship. We've actually mm-hmm. sent. Uh, a Filipino couple out as missionaries there to raise up other pastors. And we're in the process of raising up uh, a white person to be a missionary there as well. He felt that call and, you know, the Lord's doing really cool thing, really cool things in his life. I've gotten to kind of see from a distance what those fellowships are like. And I just see how deeply they care about that culture right. and how people that I, I know and I talk to and I hang out with a little bit within the church how I just watch them let their guard down at that because they're like, ah, oh, yes, these are people that mm-hmm. have now this second level of understanding me. And so I think it's a lot of it just comes down to awareness of am I aware that my church culture may be off-putting to other people groups and what am I actively doing to, to show those people, I want you here. I'm glad you're here. I yeah. want to be a welcoming force. It's just keeping our eyes open to that because it's so easy, like you said, to just, you see somebody show up the first time and you're kind of like, well, we'll see if that sticks. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll see if they come back, unfortunately. Or but, I, I, I could go say hi to them, but my buddy who I've talked to four times this week, I, I get to say hi to him today. So he's here hi. too, so yeah. let me go talk to him. But mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of thinking beyond that that immediate circle. Yeah. I, it's important to like be intentional, but also be impactful at the same time. And just because we have good intentions doesn't mean everything we do is always right. Yeah. And so I've I've seen it like in a in, in the predominantly Indian church. I remember I went to one of the uncle's houses and just hanging out for basketball. And um, we get inside the house and his parents have literally all like six black people from my church in the living room having food. And I'm like, what is going on in here? <laughs> like, what is going on? And like, I asked my I asked my friend. He's like, oh yeah, my family has. Um, they have them over like you know once every couple of months. And I'm like, well, where are the Indian people? <laughs> like, why are only all the black people here? Like, you can integrate. Like, you don't yeah. have to invite all the Indians every other mm. Sunday. And like, but in <laughs> their mind, they were killing it. They were like, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> We've included They're the blacks. They're welcome. They yeah. feel part of us. Yeah. But it was the most awkwardest room I ever walked into. And you know, like I get it. You know, and like thank God for those black people because they were they understood too what was going on, but they wanted to be supportive of their little that they gave sure. but it's it's again intention intentions are not always the best or most such you need to impact and mm-hmm. if you're doing it to just one make yourself feel better oh like yeah i said hi to the black guy today yeah. like, or I invited the black guy over for dinner like that was what was so funny to me about you talking about the indian church that you were yeah. a part of and we had the one black guy it's like oh you 
You had yeah, to talk like we did it. Like, like we crossed out. The I know what that off. feels like to look at your friend group and say, "I need a black guy." And like, yeah. unfortunately, so I didn't know if like that was what was that's and that's going the thing. Like there. majority culture doesn't always have to be predominantly white church. Mm, yeah. There are predominantly Indian churches, probably Korean churches that are just as racist. There's a reason why culture, like Indian culture, has lasted thousands of years. We stick to ourselves. <laughs> and so it's a good thing we preserve the culture, the language, the food is still there. It's still rich like it was thousands of years ago. It was also bad because we look down on everyone else. Right. Everyone else is mm. a second tier. And so, yeah, it's just because you're white, just because you're – either way, there's still sin. And until we start, you know, repenting of these things and not saying like you don't have to be like, oh, you know – I'm working on it. It's a sin, you know, like I'm not perfect. Yeah. But you just, we need to start repenting of some of the things that we're doing. And mm. because we're we're casting away people from heaven, you know, like, yeah. like people are not coming to the cross because of some of these things. People are getting tired yeah. of church. In times of like our political season like this, it's important to have yeah. a place where the church can reflect God and can reflect the community that's seen in the Trinity. But if they don't see that and they see just the rest of the world, then yeah. that mm-hmm. person is turned away and like you know they need comfort and they need to know the gospel that's shown you know through these kind of communities so yeah yeah, yeah we, we we likely need to go to our our minority friends and repent to them and, and seek their forgiveness like you know my brother my sister i think i'm failing you or i think i have failed you in this you know how how can i um how can i make you feel more welcome how can i include you can we have you mm-hmm. over for dinner um, can, what ways can we minister to you? I mean, you mentioned earlier, Sam, um, just, you know, when, when you see minority bodies in the street, you know, as a white guy, I've always looked at that and mourn the loss of a life, but I don't see it through the lens of what that means for someone who is a minority to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I actually go to if my, my minority friends, when something like that happens or reach out to them, Hey man, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm yeah, praying, for you. praying for you. Because we've, we've never had the added layer of that could have been me. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but so, I don't. I don't know what practice. I'm gonna be very honest. I don't know what practicality of living in a multi-ethnic church looks like, because it's just like so. It's so weird to say this. Like, just be normal. Yeah. <laughs> like, why yeah. do we have to see this? My brown friend came over for dinner, and I'm gonna be intentional in his life. Like, just be mm-hmm. intentional. Because there's another person that Christ died for and was made in the image of God. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? But obviously, you know, through our lens and our paradigm, we see things and we act appropriately. We act a certain way and we stick to our little clicks because that's comfortable. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like Christ has called us to be uncomfortable. So, yeah. you know, just see it as if you were the person. It, so the, the way I like to think of it is if God was like that with us, like, oh, you know, like, that's really bad what's happening. The injustice in the streets or with police or, you know, that 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 crime that's going on in, you know, a majority city of mostly black and Spanish people, that's really bad. But, you know, I'm not really going to extend myself and be a part of their life. Hmm. If he did that, none of us would be saved. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so we have to flip it and be like, Christ did that for us. So now, yeah, you know, I'm not going to just be like, you know, that's bad over there, but I'm going to stay in my little corner and be comfortable. I'm going to engage. I'm going to yeah. reach out and you know and be mm-hmm. included into that. We are created in the image of Christ, in the image of God. Race is a made-up social structure that all it does is just exclude and divide. And I'm just as guilty of that as anyone else in not seeing people as precious in the eyes of the Lord. And they have a dignity because they are. 
they don't have a dignity because they're white or they're black mm-hmm. or they're Hispanic. They exist. They have a dignity, and I should be treating them as such. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I can just look back at, at so much of my, my church life, and I haven't done that. Mm. Not even purpose, not even recognizing it, but just seeing now I've had black friends, I've had minority friends, but I've never actually reached out to them or tried to be a part of their lives. It's just shake hands on a Sunday if we're playing football or, or softball together. That's cool, but that's where it stops. You know, we're not, I'm, I, I've never, I, I've done a poor job of um, making people feel welcome. You know, my introverted nature, I need to repent of that more and say, okay, that's what the Lord has made me. But what are the things that I need to do to fight against that? Is my brother or my sister, are they not worth more than my own fears, insecurities, mm-hmm. selfish wants kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. We're made to live in community. So it's like yeah. when we start isolating and sticking to cliques, it's like, mm-hmm. like you said before, like if, if it wasn't for Christ, we would be all sitting here. And if we're still, no. if our <laughs> if our circle still looks like it would before Christ, we have and a how is Christ affected? Yeah, we have a problem. Like, mm-hmm. was Christ? Did Christ cruci- Was he crucified? Did he die and resurrect? Mm-hmm. Or are we just sitting here and like talking about a good like philosophy? Yeah, right. it has to impact everything. Yeah, and and the answers to these questions are so community dependent. And I think mm-hmm. as we kind of begin to wrap up, yeah, the reason why we can't just sit here and say. Let's talk about the practicalities of a multicultural church. Here are the seven things you do. <laughs> have fun. Is because we have no idea the problems that are in your church as listeners. We have no idea the issues that you are specifically facing. So our conversation is ending, but we hope yours is just beginning. We hope that you're going to go find people within your church community that you're going to be able to start asking these questions to and start um, praying through these things together and Hopefully it'll make you a little bit more aware of, of who are the people in your church that the world would tell you they are outside to you, but Jesus tells you they are inside. And, and how can you begin uh, taking those steps? So Yeah, and, and racism is a structural thing, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to this country. And so, you know, in a later podcast, we'll talk about the pra- there are practical things to do in leadership. Like sure. a church leadership should represent certain things. And the theology and everything like that. And so mm-hmm. we'll talk about that later. But on a regular everyday believer life, like it's community. <laughs> mm-hmm. So get in community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So many of the answers to so many of the questions we want to raise is getting to community. So we hope you take this. We hope you bring this into your community. We hope you begin talking through these things. Thank you for sitting in on our community for a minute and mm-hmm. hearing out our thoughts. But Ultimately, change needs to happen in every church and change needs to happen in every community of believers. So hopefully this just began the conversation and you guys will be able to continue this where you are and we can watch the body of Christ really reflect what the body of Christ is supposed to be. So thank you so much for listening. We're really grateful that um, you took the time to listen through this and hear our thoughts and we look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Starting the Conversation, a podcast from The Example Project. We would love to hear your feedback about today's episode. You can reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Just search Example Project without the first E. 
and you can find links to those accounts in the description of this podcast. We hope what you've heard today inspires you to listen, question, and learn from new perspectives so you can be the example God calls you to be.